Hi, I'm Bailey. And I'm Serena. Welcome to season three of the Creative Baggage podcast. In this episode, we talk to singer-songwriter Megan Pullis about finding empowerment through music making. She tells us about her journey from classical opera singer to emo-positive artist and the tough questions she had to ask herself along the way. We also discuss the therapeutic nature of both creating art for ourselves and connecting with others through art, asserting the importance of making the arts accessible to everyone. Yeah, so I'm Megan Pullis, and I am a Brooklyn-based singer-songwriter, and I write music to help people heal through their emotions, uh, the good and the bad, and I call my genre of music emo-positive. So, yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. We met on um, in a clubhouse room, I think, right? Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that app is crazy. It's been That's crazy. so much fun. So I want to hear, I love the word emo positive um, because I used to listen to a lot of emo music. I still do sometimes, um, but I never like fit like the bill per se because I'm kind of bubbly and like... Yep. <laughs> I I, I want to know what does that mean to you emo positive like how does that impact your music yeah so like you I listened to so much emo music when I was um in high school and middle school and I think that music really kind of like taught us how to feel and like how to deal with our emotions and and our angst and and whatever and I think there's a lot of that influence in what I do, except I do it in a more like uplifting sort of inspirational way. Um, but yeah, I, I was thinking like when I first started, you know, releasing music, I was like, I kind of want to have my own genre because I don't want to fit into a box. Like I want to do my, I'm doing my own thing. I'm not comparable to anyone else. And I was like, emo positive. I was like, yeah, that's, that's just kind of cool. Yeah. Like, I yeah. Wow. Have you noticed that like people have maybe followed in your footsteps after you started doing what you were doing? Um, I mean, I do think, yeah, I do think there's some inspiration in what I'm doing and I'm sure that other people are moved or affected by it and it makes them want to kind of process their own emotions and, and find an, an outlet that would help them. Um, yeah, I would, I would hope so. That's so cool. I love it. I think that's so awesome. Um, So for our podcast, we talk about, we like to feature artists, but we also like to talk about kind of how, you know, some of the baggage as, you know, creative baggage that comes with being an artist. And and we we try and give an honest, um, just kind of look at all kinds of artists and musicians. Um, So I would love to hear more about your journey. Um, And, you know, things, I I think what we love to show is is artists like you who are like successful and you have like a good following and you have really awesome music. Um, Like that, the story is not just linear. It's like, oh, I picked up a guitar and then I just had, you know know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you want to, because I I know that's what we talked a little bit about um, in the clubhouse room. Like if you want to share some of that, um, you know, obviously you don't have to say like, oh, it was all horrible. But just kind of like what your journey was like. Um, For sure. We're um, classical musicians, so we don't know as much, at least professionally, like about the world. So that's something we've been trying to learn about, too. 
Well, that's amazing that you guys are classical musicians because honestly, that is that is where that's like where you start. Um, I'm a I'm actually a classically trained like opera singer. So I went to school uh, at Florida State University for vocal performance. And um, while I was in school, obviously I was I was focused on opera and having a career in opera, but I would still have my writing as an outlet. And I, I would I wrote all through throughout college and I wrote my first song when I was 17. And um, it was all it was always just like a therapy for me. It was a processing like kind of therapy. And I didn't start thinking about songwriting until I moved to New York City, where I currently live. And something was just like maybe it was like little signs from the universe. Like people would say like, hey, that one song you just like I, I would play them on my SoundCloud or whatever, and I'd be, they'd be like, "That one song, like it's like pretty good." And I was like, eh? "Really? <laughs> eh? I don't know." <laughs> um, and I actually lived above a record producer from Def Jam, which was so crazy. And yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, it's like a New York thing. Um, and I saw him in the hallway, and he's like, "Hey, do you play?" And I'm like, "Sure, yeah." He's like, are you, you're singing too, right? Like, are those your songs? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you're good. <laughs> and I was like, um, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like so awkward. Like, I was like, okay, sure. Like, thanks for hearing my feelings. But I, I think ultimately those like little moments like led up to me having the confidence to decide like, okay. Like I can do, like I can do this. I, I have the talent, I have the drive and I'm doing something a lot different. And I think that is something that like really pushes me to keep going is impacts that I make in people's lives with my music. And, you know, it's been a weird transition going from an opera singer to a singer songwriter, but it's also been just kind of incredible because I feel like the way the way my voice is portrayed as powerful and stuff is it's all because of that training that I got and the, you know, the sort of foundation. And yeah, I just, I'm so grateful for what I get to do and like that I get to just, you know, inspire people and encourage them. And yeah, I just, I urge everyone to just find your outlet and like pick up that instrument and just, Art is so healing. So it's really made a huge impact in my life. I feel like in classical music, there's such a huge deal about like, you have to focus only on your craft and the specific genre. Like what were some of the emotions that you felt when you were kind of starting to think about switching from opera to songwriting? And like, how did you ultimately make that difficult decision um, when like maybe your life thus far has been focused on opera. Yeah. I think there was that fear of like, well, if I switch my path, what if I don't succeed? And and what if I'm not as good as, as I think I'm going to be? And is this the wrong choice? And I really had to like deep dive and say like, what does, what does Megan want? What fulfills Megan? Because yeah, because I, I went through college and, you know, it's not 
it's not that I'm not grateful for the the training and the education that I got, but I never had a passion for opera the way that I have for songwriting. I never I never had that voice, that confidence that I had with songwriting and it never felt like yeah, opera just it felt like a chapter in my life. It never felt like a final thing. Um and I think I was very influenced by my parents telling me, oh, you're an opera singer. Oh, you're an opera singer. Oh, you're an opera singer. And I'm just like, but I don't want to be an opera singer kind of thing. Like, I want to go after my own goals and dreams. And, you know, I I was raised around music and my dad's music especially really impacted me. And there's so many amazing singer-songwriters in the 70s and I was just, yeah, I, I think my dad kind of always knew that, that this was what I was going to do, but he was still like, no, she's going to do opera. And I was just like, well, now we can't really do opera. So like, I'm kind of glad that I, I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I made the right decision, you know? Yeah, I wonder. Um, so you, you have, so it, it, your dad's musical. I wonder if like part of that, comes from like because we have this horrible like internal hierarchy of like high art and low art because of western culture i wonder if that was part of it with your parents it's like oh she's got the chance right to study opera and like opera you know and it's like (laughs) of course like you've got to do it because that's like the highest form of you know vocal but like that's i mean it's not real i mean i think it's very complex and amazing and beautiful i love opera but yes that like that whole like classical music and like the classics is better is just wrong. <laughs> yeah, I really like it's hard for me to think of opera singers and singers as like the same category almost. Yes, for sure. They're kind sport. of are doing really different <laughs> skills. Yeah. They are. Yeah. It's a different it's a different medium for sure. Um, yeah. But I'm yeah. sure that's helped you. I mean, I'm sure it's helped you so much because I think a lot of singers, singer songwriters who are self-taught, um, you know, you've got to learn so much on your own. Um, and I find even like someone like me, I was never the kind of person that would like sing along to songs on the radio because I always felt like I didn't have a good singing voice. Um, and then I was able to get this, like the tools that I needed through like music, music theory, theory class. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and like my professors being like, okay, so you're going to sight sing this now. Um, uh, and I now I can sing on, I can I can sing along to anything I feel like now. And I feel like I can actually sing. So I, I understand that. And it's awesome. Um, like that we can take those skills and not necessarily perpetuate the canon, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, with those skills, you know? Yeah. Oh my god, sight singing was the worst. Yeah. <laughs> it's so I hard. To, yeah, it was so hard and like doing it in front of everybody. And like I had to take it at 8 a.m. once. And I oh, swear to God, like ew. I probably missed oh I probably was late. I probably missed like, <laughs> so many times. I was like, why do you expect me to come to this class at 8 a.m.? Like, do you know? <laughs> and but, it's torturous. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's how I like that's how I like caught my boyfriend um not that I like <laughs> bullied him into dating me or anything but like what we would do is we were in the same music uh theory class and I we were both really bad like singers and so I'd be like we should practice sight singing together and then like <laughs> oh. oh we should get dinner after and then eventually like two years later he's like oh I like you I was like yeah that's so cute so that's my one thanks to sight singing <laughs> well yeah I'm glad 
I'm glad something positive came out of someone's sightseeing experience. <laughs> oh, it gets man. so hard by the end, too. It, like, in the beginning, like, all the voice majors are like, ah, I don't have to practice this. Because, like, you can just hear it and then you know, like, in yeah. your head, like, yeah. what it's going to be. But yep. when we were in Theory 4 and doing, like, post-tonal stuff and we still had to sing, I was like, nobody can do this. I don't know what this is. It was like, insane. Yeah. Yeah, screw that. <laughs> Nobody ever, it's not applicable to the real world. But, but I do think really that they tough. should teach that to us when we're younger. Because I yes. feel like in music class oh, in yeah. elementary school, like you really only listen and then sing along. So if your like pitch isn't good, then it stays not good because you're just singing along with the rest of the class and nobody teaches you <laughs> yeah. like even the most basic technique. And I just feel like I always felt sub or self-conscious about my singing and my ability to like even hit the right notes because I could like hear the note that I wanted to hit but my voice couldn't actually do the thing and like for a lot of people it's natural so like if you're born with the ability to just hit the right notes that you're hearing that's great but like for everybody else I think they don't teach it to you when you're young enough because now I can do it because I had music theory training but like a lot of people are kind of missing out Oh, yeah, it's a big skill. I wonder, what did you have to say to that myth? I didn't know this was a myth until I literally started college that, like, some people just can't sing. I mean, obviously, we know if you don't have vocal cords that maybe function um, in the typical way, then maybe you actually can't. But, like, um, generally speaking, I didn't know that that was a myth and that literally anyone can sing. Um, do you have any tips for people? Because I know that was huge or even just musicians, right? Because I was a flutist my whole yeah. life and I was like, I, no, I can't sing. No, I'm not going to sing. Don't sing. Yeah, don't sing. Um, I would love, <laughs> we would love advice for people out there. I feel like you don't know. Yeah. I feel like you don't know until you get that training, right? Like, I mean, I've watched American Idol and the voice, not the voice, American Idol. I've watched American Idol and you do see people on there that are not good or that are tone deaf. And like in that instance, like maybe there are people who like for some reason their vocal folds, like just, it's not going to fly. Like, I don't know. Um, But yeah, I feel like for those people who are like, I can't sing. And then maybe they're like not confident to sing. Like just, I don't know. Just, just do it. Sing in the shower. Like that's just, that's a good idea to, to get started. Um, yeah, it's like I drawing. I feel like most yeah. people, a lot of people who aren't trained in visual are in like some form are like, I can't draw. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like if you, like, if someone were to give you instructions, it would actually be quite simple. Like first you do a triangle and then you add this here and you add that there. And that's what it boils down to, right? Mm-hmm. So like we put like singing a song as this like ultimate package or like painting something or drawing a cat or whatever as this like ultimate package and it looks difficult because you're only looking at the finished product but like you don't break it down in the way that they teach you to break it break down math in school or break down how to write an essay or how to read a book like you're not expected to open the book you surf the information and then just say like I can read now and if I can't just like inhale the information that I can't read right like that's yeah. not how it works you have to break it down and and I feel like for all the like artistic things that a lot of people could benefit from even as hobbies in your life like it's easy yeah. to just say well I can't do it because I've never had any training or exposure to it 
And it sounds like a great idea, but I just can't. And yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the amen to that. It is just a piece uh, or there are pieces to it. It's not just like you open the book and you can read. Um, and I think <laughs> it's important for people to understand that because there are yeah. people out there who literally can just like, you know, either not maybe maybe not even perfect pitch, but just have a great ability to pick up songs and like. That's not everybody. I can tell you it wasn't me. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's worth a shot because I think music, it helps and we all deserve it. I always feel like music is such a right. Like we all deserve to be able to yes, listen, I love experience, that. make it, you know, um, it's part of being a human. And so I, I encourage everybody to try Um and kind of yeah. along that lines, I saw that you talk, I mean, obviously with emo positive, there's a lot about mental health. Um, mm-hmm. do you, did you ever experience or feel any stigmas with that? And, and, and the music, um, we like to talk about mental health a lot on this podcast. I love um, that. Yeah. So if you want to just touch on that. It was really hard for me to, first of all, write music that went there and that like went to the darkness and that like. Yeah, I think it's been, yeah, because New York, New York hasn't been like super like straightforward for me. It's been like up and down. And um, when I first moved here, I was 23 and I, I got into this sort of like toxic sort of work environment slash he was trying to produce me slash I put all my like dreams into it. And then like he ended up being like a like a predator essentially. And that ended up being really bad. Yeah. That's okay. That's how you, that's how you live and you learn. And, and I'm grateful to that experience because I don't think it would have made me the strong like person that I am. Um, even though it was a lot of that dark, dark stuff. Um, and I think, putting that and I was I was really afraid to touch that stuff. I was really afraid to be like, okay, I want to take out this box that I hid under my bed cuz I don't want to talk about it cuz I did feel a certain shame as a woman for going through something like that. Like we, we you know, like we all do as women and I decided one day I was like, you know what? It's really going to help me if I talk about this and if I write about this. And I did and some songs came out of it that were just very healing and relatable to the Me Too movement and everything that was going on there. And I was just like, okay, like, I am able to access this, like, dark past to help other people. And this is going to help other women who have gone through or are going through the same thing and don't have the strength to like, you know, to own it, to talk about it because it's just, yeah, I think it's such a, it's such a, a shame and a guilt and like you lose that like self-worth. You, you really do. And I, and I really did. And I was really in a very dark place, but I came out of it and like, <laughs> it's crazy. Cause it's, I, Anytime someone's like, what's your music like? I'm like, I'm like, it's like darkness into light, essentially, you know? So you can like hear, yeah. No, you guys go. No, I was just going to say that's, it's really empowering. We talk about vulnerability a lot too on this podcast. It is so empowering to be vulnerable in front of an audience or for an audience. Yes. Um, and, And it takes a lot from yourself 
like I, I think a lot of times in classical music, it's a little easier to hide behind the like, I don't know, like look at my technique or like look what I'm doing. <laughs> Um, or just like oh (laughs) like composer is so amazing go like think about the composer think about this piece but like at the end of the day you're the person playing that music and you're gonna bring yourself to the table and and it's really amazing when you see someone who actually fully puts themselves into it and I, I think you've almost put yourself in a position where like this is your music with your words and you're performing it or you're singing it and so it is, it has to be vulnerable. You don't, you can't yeah. hide yeah. and you put yourself in this position on purpose to help people. And that's so cool. Oh, <laughs> thank you. It. That's no, it's awesome. I mean, I think that's, it's so, it's so direct, right? Like I think it's not to exactly repeat what you just said. Um, but like, I was just thinking the same thing. It's like, we get to hide behind a lot, I think, as classical musicians. And I think we have so much to learn, so much to learn from other genres from in that regard, if we want to stick around. Because I think people like that. I want that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to listen to more of your music now because I'm like, yeah, I'm playing, you know? <laughs> you know? Um, with, yeah. But to be to feel that way when somebody's on stage like above you wearing a like thousand dollar dress with this sparkly thousand dollar instrument and this pianist and everybody's like Shh. <laughs> you know what I mean and so we yeah. have to change and and I think that's something like that's why we always want to bring people on um who are doing things a little differently because I think it's like it's inspiring for us to hear that kind of stuff um and it's imp- it's the important work that we have to do because again, um, like the music is really yeah, it's an art and it's 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 a sport in some ways, um, but really it's about connecting. Yeah, right? it should be. Yeah, I think definitely. Um, so yeah, I have a question. Do you find that you're able to connect with more people like performing live or like? basically connect and reach more people through recording and then interacting online. Cause I think classical mm-hmm. musicians have really hit this barrier where we were only connecting with people um, mm-hmm. through live performances and now we're confused. Yeah. But um, <laughs> for something that is recorded and distributed like normally, like do you have a preference for being having the comfort of a studio or the live audience or Yeah, it's interesting because I, well, now I can record here. I like bought an interface and I was like, you know what? Like I'm not going into a studio during a pandemic. So I'm just going to buy, you know, I use the government's money, like thanks government um, (laughs) to buy an interface. And now I can record here and, and do like, you know, do, uh, I have a Patreon. So I do some shows with the mic and stuff. And yeah, I feel like, it's weird because when you're live streaming, you reach more people, right? Like if I had a, like when I was playing live a lot in the city, you know, honestly, I I didn't have that many people coming out. I, I would say at most like 15, 20 or whatever. And, um, but every so often, like there, there was a stranger there that really was impacted, that really said something that really meant a lot. And I do feel like that is the one thing that we are missing with the live streaming is there's so much going on, like comments and likes and hearts and 
and angry faces or whatever. Like, <laughs> people are weird. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, it really does, the screen really does separate us. And it is, it is a very depressing thing that right now we're not able to have that personal connection with somebody. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think it's a hard thing because it's like now you can go live and like someone in India can be watching you and it's just like what the heck you know but that's cool. yeah yeah is I think yeah. you can't win you can't win yeah well I guess you could win if you live streamed your concert in person <laughs> um, there so you go and a lot of people who are interested in what you do happen to be near where you are because I think that's yeah. the biggest thing like you can have fans all over the world but. If you're in New York and a lot of them are scattered, then they can't make it to your concert. So even though they support what you do and love what you do and might want to come, like they could only see you perform if you're online. Yeah, which is awesome. That's true. But again, we we just need to be one big globe. (laughs) (laughs) It's just hard. But on the flip side of that, I'm wondering like the experience of, playing your songs live versus having the ability to record and polish it and make it exactly how you want. Like, does that affect your attitude towards the song that you're performing or recording? Like, do you have versions of it that you love more live or do you always prefer to have a recorded version, like a studio recorded video? Yeah, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So I think sometimes they're like my current single, I love playing live because I just, I always do it kind of differently. And I really like that. Like, I really like that sometimes I like, you know, I decide to like go up higher or whatever. Um, And with the recording, it's able to go way more ethereal, which obviously is something that I can't really do with, with the voice and everything. But I really love the idea uh, and, and the process of, you know, how songs are taken to like the next level with production. And um, my song that I released in December, Ghost of Sound, like that was the first song that that's full on production. And that was really exciting because it was just like, oh my gosh, like you just hear it in a different way and you're just hearing all the synths and all the, and it's just like, it's reaching into your soul and it's like, oh my God. Like, I think that that, that was like the coolest thing that made it all worth it was just like the fact that my producer, he just, he knew what I wanted with the song and he like just nailed it on the head. Like, this is the song kind of thing. And um, it was just, yeah, but, but playing live is also really rewarding. And there are certain songs that I, that I've maybe written in the past week that I decide to include if, if I go live. And I think playing new material is really exciting to just like, Oh, I just wrote this song. Like I do this thing, like, and I I don't know if, if many people do this thing, but I do this thing where I, I go live and I write a song. Oh, oh that's cool. I like and that. I'm like, it's it's kind of crazy and like sometimes I'll be like oh what do you guys think and you know people will like give me ideas or whatever um because I just think the whole collaborative process is like it's such a it's such a cool thing to me and I've been I've been doing a lot of collaborating and I think it's just strengthened me as a writer too to work with other people um but yeah I don't think I wasn't able 
I was like never doing that before the pandemic. And then the pandemic happened and I was like, you know what? Whatever. Let's go live. Let's do it. Whatever. I got cords. Like, yeah. You're being a community builder, which is awesome. Yeah. Which I think is like part of being an artist that the part that we don't think about that we need skills in that or else nobody's gonna come listen to us yeah Yeah. i would love like that is so fun composers should do that and i feel like that's breaking down what we were just saying about like it looks too steep i can't do it because you're literally sitting in front of a computer and people are watching you do it so they're sitting there like oh She's just writing down some notes, playing with some chords. It doesn't look that difficult. Like, yeah, I yeah. could start too. Maybe I could do yeah. it while she's doing it. Um, and, and no, I think and people really have stuff. done that. Oh, yeah. Do they send you stuff that they've written? Like, Actually, wait, it's so weird that you said that. Because yesterday, uh, the past couple days, I have this follower. Uh, his name is Larry or whatever. And he was inspired by something that I wrote and he wrote a song and he sent me the song and it was like really good. That's so cute. And I, and I was just like, okay, what did I just do? (laughs) You taught. Yeah, literally. Um, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Put a catalyst out there. I mean, I think that's probably one of the best feelings in the world, right? Because we're constantly taking inspirations from our like literal heroes, like people that we admire so, so, so much. So to be that person for even one song or like one piece of art or one thing, it's like so fulfilling. It's like teaching, like Billy said. Yeah. I just like teaching. Yeah. And I never thought I was a teacher per se, but I think there's a different way that you can be a teacher, right? Like I, I, I don't have the patience to be like a school teacher, but I can still. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that system is really messed up anyways. (laughs) Yeah. That's the positive aspect of like being a quote unquote influencer. Like I feel like a lot of people associate lots of negative connotations with like social media influencers, mm-hmm. YouTube influencers, because like yeah. you just think, oh, they're always trying to sell you stuff. But like the, I feel like the reason why influencers um are big and sh- like how the direction that people should be going in with influencing is to influence people and inspire people to make good changes in their lives right like yes. i followed a lot of sustainability influencers and then yeah. i got into like buying secondhand clothes not buying fast fashion eating uh oh, cool. like a plant-based diet like all of those came from me watching other people show me their mm-hmm. lifestyles and then i adopted yeah. the parts of it that i thought i could handle and wanted to do um and i feel like it's the same thing with music like bailey and i have gotten more into seeing what like the classical music influencer world looks like and it's a lot mm-hmm. of people showing you their equipment how they're recording stuff at home um there's uh, a lot of people just giving out some advice for things that they wish they had knew known when they were younger. A lot of people like giving you tips and tricks for specific instruments or whatever it is like that should yeah. be the crux of it. And of course, like we, we get caught up in the attention and the likes and the what sells and the ads and all that. You yeah. Know? And you've seen, yeah. like we've seen so many people do it that that's what's associated with the word. But I, I think having influence can be a great thing. Yeah. I mean, it's so wholesome. I, I like, you know, I like the idea simply. It's just like, look at this shiny rock I have. And somebody else is like, I have this shiny rock, you know, <laughs> and we all can just show each other things. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that came from. But I, I love that. I love it. You know, it's just like the pure beauty of show and tell, you know? Um, yeah. Because that is teaching, I think, too. Um, and I think that's like the like the beauty of it. Um, and again, we I mean, we all get caught up in the other stuff because the other stuff feeds our egos, you know. Um, but I think the yeah. best really it's funny because we think that the the sponsorship or the follower count is what's going to really feel good. But we all know that just like connecting with another human feels way better. <laughs> For sure. Um, for sure it's so funny how yeah. people act <laughs> I'm so guilty of it you know sometimes we'll sit in our meetings and we're like oh how do we get to like how many followers or like oh how do we get the next thing so that people will listen and it's like well if somebody comes to our podcast on their own and find something that they love and tell us like that's so much better it than is that. so much better it is yeah that we could get you know yeah yeah I, th- I think personal connection and and seeing how people are affected by the way that you're living, by the way that you're sharing, by your music. There's like, that's the reason why I do what I do because of like people who feed off of that and then say, oh, I'm going to go write a song. And now I want to start writing more because I used to write, but I gave it up, but you inspired me. And that is like, that's the sole freaking reason why, why I am keeping this up. If you like what you hear, Please subscribe, leave us a review, and consider becoming a monthly donor. We are also excited to launch our website. Give it a visit at creativebaggagepodcast.com.